Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 8 of Becoming. I'm Katherine Tang, and for this episode, I was delighted to be able to speak with Esther Young, who is a mom, a forensic accountant, and one of the most level-headed women I know. Esther and I have had a chance to serve together on some different committees, and our friendship has grown through discussions about policy, strategic planning, and why Muji pens are the absolute best. In this conversation, Esther explains what her work as a forensic accountant was like, and also why she chose to step away from it. Here it is, my chat with Esther Young. All right, so Esther, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. So to get started, um, could you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you've been up to these days? Well, actually, your invitation is um, really timely because I've been um, thinking a lot about life in the last little while. Um, So um, right now, I am focusing on my children and uh, spending some time at home with them. Um, And I'm working at U of T um, right now and really enjoying that work. Um, So it offers me lots of flexibility in the hours, um, which is perfect right now, given the stage of life that um, I find myself in. And so what exactly are you doing with U of T right now? Um, Well, I'm working for the Masters of uh, Forensic Accounting program. I have work until the mid-September, so it's good. It's fun, and I get to use my mind, um, (laughs) but I also get to work from home, which is super convenient for me right now. Yeah, it gives me some good, good life balance. Um, So since this podcast is called Becoming, I like to start at the beginning. So what were you like when you were younger? Um, Yeah, so I I grew up in Picton, which is a small town of about 5,000 people just um, sort of southwest of Kingston. I have one sister who's about 13 months younger than I am, and my parents were very... Um, with an emphasis on the very uh, busy entrepreneurs. And so um, as as a child, uh, my sister and I spent a lot of time together, often on our own to play and explore and do things um, that we like to do. And something that was kind of a cool opportunity was when we were 10 and 11 years old, We our parents put us on a plane and flew us to Europe to spend some time um, over the summer with our grandparents. So um, that was a really great experience and um, gave us a lot of uh, sort of autonomy and independence and um, some really great life experiences. So you said your parents were entrepreneurs. What did they do? Uh, well, they ran two businesses in, uh, in Prince Edward County. Um, and so I guess that's where some of my, um, the entrepreneurial aspect of my life comes from. Um, and uh, we were as kids exposed to the businesses on a very everyday, regular basis. And so we also helped out a lot um, as, as young people and um, we were given a fair amount of responsibility. But yeah, it was just sort of 24-7, um, especially in the summertime. Um, there, we were never lacking for things to do as we got older, <laughs> for sure. Esther and I talked for a little while about how the county has changed over the years and how the beach is still a place that she and her family love to visit. Then I asked her to think back to when she was younger and what she thought her future would hold. Um, well, I think as a very small child, that that 
changed from from time to time. I remember distinctly that I wanted to be a heart surgeon or a brain surgeon. Um, and that was at a very early point in elementary school. I, I don't recall when exactly, but sort of as I, as I got a little bit older, I came to the realization that I got fairly squirmy at fairly minor things like um, worms and some <laughs> bugs. So perhaps, you know, open heart surgery or um, brain surgery was not um, <laughs> an area for me. Um, but I, when I started getting a little bit more serious about it, I decided I wanted to be a teacher. Um, and I stuck with that for many, many, many years. And then in about grade 10 or grade 11, I remember telling my mom one summer evening when she was in her office working that I wanted to go to university and study business. Um, so I, from that point on, I, I stuck with that and actually um, went through with that. So you went to university. Which university did you go to? I went to Laurier. I worked okay. for Laurier University in Waterloo. And that was something else that I had sort of researched fairly early on. Once I sort of knew in grade 10 or 11 that I wanted to go to business school, I, I got pretty serious about figuring out what school I wanted to go to. And Laurier was my first choice. So I was absolutely ecstatic when, when I got accepted. That was that was a big milestone for, for me, as it is for many, many people who, um, you know, decide to pursue um, education after high school. It's, um, it's a very big deal at that point in life. Um, so yeah, there was a, with the business program at Laurier, there's the option in second year to, to go into co-op, um, which basically means you're doing work terms, um, followed by school terms. And there's a mix of that. So it was a great opportunity to get hands-on experience, which gave me some further insight into um, the banking world. I did have some experience um, working at the bank when I was in high school and into um, early university, but the co-op jobs gave me an opportunity to look at that a little bit more. And then also I got some experience working in insurance. So yeah, some good experiences. While at Laurier, Esther had a chance to pursue a specialization and she chose accounting. I thought she would tell me she went straight into the workforce after graduating, but actually, this is what she did. Well, right after graduation, um, I was a bridesmaid in one of my best friend's weddings, <laughs> um, <laughs> like literally right after we finished exams, so that was pretty cool, and then right after that, um, I left to travel around Europe for a while, which was a fantastic experience, and um, got to see a lot of different things, and um, when I returned home. Um, I joined a forensic accounting firm in Toronto. Um, and it was after I started working there that I pursued an accounting designation. And so I just want to know, like, where did you go in Europe? Oh my. Okay. So I was in England, France, um, Italy, Spain, Austria, Switzerland, Germany, and Holland. So you must have been there for quite a while. <laughs> I was there for quite a while, yes. I, I actually, um, with a backpack, and I actually recall throwing out, I think, pretty much every article of clothing I brought with me to Europe because oh I was so tired of them after after I returned home. But, yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a great experience. That's really cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you were said you joined a forensic accounting firm. Yes. 
so for people who don't necessarily, maybe people know what accounting is, but what is forensic accounting? Well, that's a really great question. And uh, the answer is it really depends. Um, it depends on what um, circumstances necessitate um, a forensic accountant. So um, usually, you know, people who might not be all that familiar with um, accountants or forensic accountants, we usually think about um, sort of traditional accountants, um, sometimes, you know, folks that might wear plastic pocket protectors or plastic sleeve <laughs> protectors. Um, but uh, yeah, forensic accounting is definitely not sort of traditional accounting that involves possibly audits or tax advice um, as examples. Forensic accounting is definitely specialized, um, but there are many different practice areas or niche areas within forensic accounting. So for me, um, my practice has been focused on damage quantification and investigations, which also include fraud investigations. And oftentimes I would be involved with litigation work, which would occasionally require that I give expert testimony in court. Um, so I could definitely go on at length about forensic accounting and provide <laughs> numerous examples of super cool files that I've had the opportunity to work on um, over the years. Do you want to maybe give like one example? Say, for example, um, you operate a manufacturing facility um, and you're, you, you produce a product or products and um, a critical piece of machinery fails um, such that you are unable to produce. Um, and let's say, for example, this critical piece of machinery is highly specialized and is made in Norway. Um, and the lead time to repair or replace that piece of machinery is, let's say, nine months. Um, and during that time, you, you can't produce. Um, so there is going to be an interruption to your business as a result of that piece of equipment failure. Um, and so the business owner or owners could contact a forensic accountant and ask me to quantify and measure what is the financial impact to your business as a result of that equipment failure. Um, another example could be like on the fraud side, let's say you're operating a business and you have reason to believe that an employee or employees are misappropriating assets, um, from the business. So there's, um, in situations like that, um, oftentimes forensic accountants will get called in to, to conduct an investigation. So there's lots of things to think about there and to work through. So, you know, preserving evidence, who we think the employees are, trying to gather evidence, um, conducting interviews, you know, employee morale, all like just all sorts of possible considerations when going in to do um, a fraud type investigation. Um, so that just, hopefully that gives you sort of a, a bit of a taste for, um, some of the experiences that I've had. So it's sort of like looking, it's like a digging into into something sort of in detail to try and unpack or uncover something yeah. that you sort of need information about. Yeah, okay, cool. Every forensic engagement is kind of like a puzzle and you are trying to put mm -hmm. the puzzle together. And so you you hope to get every single piece of the puzzle to get a very clear picture of 
what happened or what's happening. And sometimes you do get all the pieces to the puzzle. Other times you get most of the pieces and sometimes you don't get many pieces at all. And so the forensic accounting firm that you joined, was that the one that you continued to be at for a number of years? Yeah. So I started at the firm um, pretty much when I came back from Europe um, as a fairly new graduate. And yeah, I've been there for 18 years. And so what was, what would you say your job was like? What sorts of things did you enjoy most about your work? Well, I really, truly loved my job. Uh, My work was very demanding at times. Um, You know, I would report to litigators on a very regular basis and within the litigation world, um, there's often very tight timelines and um, deadlines. And so there was often a lot of pressure to, um, you know, deliver our, our product um, within a certain time frame. Um, but the exciting thing about my work was that, like I sort of suggested earlier, was that each file or assignment was different. Um, so what that would mean for me is that, well, I could draw on experience from previous files. There was always something new to learn um, about the current file um, or assignment. So that was one aspect. Um, The other thing that I really loved was um, mentoring and working with others at the firm. Um, So really that gave me a lot of joy and fulfillment. Like it, it was really exciting to me to be able to watch professionals that I had um, developed and um, or had a part in developing and just um, trying to grow their their talent and their expertise. And the other thing I would say is that I often had the opportunity to teach on a regular basis, um, which uh, is a bit of a passion for me. And so I really enjoyed those opportunities and tended to grab those opportunities whenever I could. Esther also shared a bit about how she came to manage the Kingston office of this firm, as well as become a partner and senior VP. When my husband and I decided to move to Kingston in 2004, and this is just a a little bit of background, um, that was a big step for us. We were living in Toronto, and um, he had the opportunity here in Kingston, but I didn't at that time. And, And at that point in time, I was about three years into my time at the firm, and and so I, I told the partners that I was leaving the firm to relocate to Kingston, and they, they asked me if I wanted to open up the office, an office for the firm um, here. I kind of looked at that as, as an opportunity, and so I, I, I went with it, and I worked really hard to build a book of business for the firm um, here in eastern Ontario and, and um, sort of worked my way up. Um, to become a partner in the firm. So being a partner in the firm was a really great experience. It, you know, provided me with the chance to run a business, um, which I sort of alluded to previously, kind of runs deep in my family, um, but also to have significant mm-hmm. responsibility. Life was, life was crazy. <laughs> I'm not going to sugarcoat that. Um, my role required me to travel. Um, and my husband's a, a partner in an accounting firm also. So with both of us with careers in professional and the professional services world, um, it, it meant much coordination of our calendars. <laughs> um, and then sort of added to that, not long after I became partner, um, we started a family. So that just added a, another layer to our lives. Um, and there would be 
you know, many an evening um, after I had arrived home from having been away thinking like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this morning I was in New York City or Chicago or um, Winnipeg or Ottawa earlier that day and now I'm home. Okay. Um, so there, there was a lot of time where, you know, sort of my suitcase just sat in the corner of our bedroom because there was really no point of putting it away because it came out on a very regular basis. So yeah, life was, life was busy. There was, uh, there was a lot going on. And so when you, when you guys moved to Kingston, um, you just sort of had to start from scratch. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, certainly there was lots of support from my colleagues, um, like the firm at that time uh, was a global firm, but within Canada, we only had three offices at that point in time. And so opening up an office, not that far away from Toronto was sort of a bit of a I was a bit of a guinea pig um, in a way to just see if if that would pan out, how that would work, and it it ended up working really well, such that um, the firm opened other offices um, within Ontario um, as a result of sort of giving the Kingston office a try. So yeah, I'm pretty proud of that. Um, I'm pretty proud of the work that. Um, I did. And um, yeah, really, really rewarding. Learned a lot. And so you now have a family, you are continuing to travel. Um, I know you made a pretty big decision in May of last year. So can you maybe share a little bit about about that? Yes, a really big decision. I decided to leave the firm. Um, And, you know, virtually every life decision has come fairly easily for me, you know, like I shared with you a few minutes ago that I was in grade 10 or 11 when I figured out I wanted to go to Laurier to do a BBA. Like, I, I don't know how many students, you know, at least none that I recall in my cohorts or knew in grade 10 or 11 exactly what they wanted to do. Um, so, yeah, life decisions have come pretty easily for me, but not this one. Um it was about four to six months of sort of conflict with myself before I could actually make the decision. And certainly my career choice is not one that's conducive for anything. Really, it's not really conducive for anything other than than sort of full-time work, like, you know, both feed in, sink or swim kind of thing. Um, And certainly once our children came along, I found it increasingly challenging to juggle my responsibilities at work as well as at home. And then just, you know, also looking after myself, um, you know, looking after myself was very low on the list um, in terms of everyday life. Um, So I decided to leave practice at least for the time being so that I could focus on our family as well as on, on me. And like I said, it took me a long time to get to the point where I could actually do it. Um, And I recall the day that I made the decision, it felt like a huge weight had been lifted um, such that I wanted to go skipping down the sidewalk, um, which I've not done since I was a kid. Um, (laughs) But then the next day I was, uh, I was a mess. Um, So definitely an emotional roller coaster. Um, You know, like I said before, I'd been with the firm for 18 years. It was a huge part of me and in many ways defined who I was. So how, how were those first few months for you of, you know, being at home full time? Well, actually, um, interestingly enough, I 
I, my last day at the office was April 30th and I returned to U of T on May the 1st to <laughs> finish a master's degree. So that, that was not my timing. That was not um, anything that I, I, I planned to do. April 30th is the firm's fiscal year end. And so it just made sense for me to stay until the end of April, even though I'd made the decision a few months earlier. Um, and then when the opportunity to go to back to school came up um, and when I saw the start date, it said May 1. And I just kind of laughed <laughs> because it's like I just moved from one desk at the office yeah. to my desk at home and, um, so it was actually really, really good. Um, school was a very positive distraction from what I had just left behind. Um, and while there were heavy demands on me uh, with schoolwork, I was very much able to control my schedule so that I still had the time I so wanted with my children, um, but also work towards something um, that that was for me and something that up until, you know, maybe a few months prior to that, I hadn't really given any thought to because I was just focused on, you know, doing, getting through the day-to-day -day, um, aspects of life. Um, so, you know, after I completed the last round of schooling, which I think was in about 2009, I didn't think I would ever go back to school. Um, mm -hmm. But it was a really rewarding experience. Um, I, I had a really good time um, at school and school for me hasn't always been uh, a lot of fun, but last summer was, it, it was, it was good. Um, it was really good. And so was it, um, were you going to Toronto every so often? Um, what did that look like for you? Actually, no, I didn't have to go to Toronto at all with the exception of um, a residency period toward the end of the summer. So all of the work was online. Um, so that was the, and it was, it was live. So that, that was really good. It was very convenient. Um, the residency week was, or I think it was about a week and a half was pretty intense. Um, but I went by very quickly. <laughs> um, and uh, it was a really good opportunity to sort of um, get to know my classmates a little bit more because um, we're actually talking face-to-face -face instead of mm -hmm. uh, talking like how you and I are right now. <laughs> um, so often in podcasts like this, we get stuck on exploring a person's career. And um, so I'm curious, what are some of the things that you do or that you enjoy outside of forensic accounting? Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? How we often define ourselves and others by our careers. And it's often a conversation starter, like, you know, what do you do? Um, mm -hmm. um, but what do I like to do outside of work? Um, I, I, really like going to the gym and I never ever thought I would say that and never mind out loud and on a podcast. Um, I have been training for the last couple years and I've found it really amazing to see how, how I can, um, actually no, I should probably rephrase that to say how my trainer can push me to do things that I never thought I could do. Um, so that is, um, that's something that um, I've, I've actually really enjoyed doing. And um, when I was away in February for a week, I found myself really missing it, which is, mm -hmm. 
I'm so not a gym person. So missing going to the gym. <laughs> I know it's crazy. Um, anyway, other things that I like to do, I love to organize and I will admit that I'm a little bit obsessed with organizing and I, I like to think my house is extremely well organized, but, um, <laughs> there's always room for improvement. Um, and I, I do love to sing and play the piano, although my piano skills are certainly not what they used to be. And I volunteer my time as well as I, I mentor uh, a number of people. And I like to go on hikes, uh, especially with my husband. Um, Front Act Park is a favorite of ours. Um, and then exploring new places is, is exciting um, for me. And we've started to do that with our children. And um, as they grow, uh, we'll get to get to go to new places too. So, um, yeah. And so I want to know, after you went to Europe for that year of backpacking, have you been back since or however long you went for um, Yes, uh, I did go back. We spent our honeymoon in Ireland um, and Ireland wasn't somewhere that I had been, either of us had been before. Um, so yes, we did. I did go back to Europe, um, but have not been back since our honeymoon. So I think I'm due for another European trip. <laughs> Um, so looking forward, do you have any plans for what you'll explore next? I know you're at U of T right now. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, being an accountant, um, accountants like to have things lined up and I, mm. I know for listeners that might be extremely surprising, <laughs> but, um, I think that's one of the reasons why it took me so long to leave the firm because, um, I, I didn't know what the next steps would be for me. I didn't know what that would look like. Um, but, my heart has taken over, thankfully, and um, like I mentioned early on in the podcast, I am working for U of T right now and, and really enjoying the work. And, you know, the truth is, I don't know what's next, and I I am okay with that. Um, and it, it probably sounds a little cliche, but um, it's such a big step for me and because you know remember I am an accountant so um, <laughs> I like to I like to know what's coming but I, I do come from a family of business-minded people and I can really see myself um, in many different roles so who knows um, time will tell right now I'm I'm just uh, enjoying this this stage of life so I guess Last question. We often have life lessons that we pick up along the way. So if you could share one piece of advice, uh, what would it be? Well, it's hard to think of just one, um, but one that certainly comes to mind is to really make sure we're, we're thinking about building authentic relationships with people that really matter to us. Um, life can often pull us in so many different directions and, you know, oftentimes depending on what our, our, our role is at, at work, um, we can find ourselves, um, you know, really pulled towards, um, you know, building relationships with clients or, you know, um, spending time doing many different things. And I think we really need to use our time well. We need to be sure that we are focused on those that matter, including ourselves. Um, and I think especially as a female, you know, and as a, a wife and a mom, um, I know that's one of the conflicts that I've had sort of over the last while is to just um, make sure that um, we include ourselves in 
the relationship development. That's a life lesson that I'm still working on. And I have actually focused a lot of my time in the last while building, you know, renewing some relationships and um, building new relationships with people that I want to have in my life. So yeah, that would be my one piece of advice. And I guess this is sort of an unscripted question, but going along with this idea of, you know, balancing being a mother, but also, you know, taking time for yourself and also thinking about what you want for your career. Do you have any advice specifically for, I guess, young mothers who are feeling that struggle? Um, yeah, don't beat yourself up <laughs> because, you know, there's so many books out there and resources that talk about, you know, new baby and, you know, the birthing experience and those sorts of things. But really what none of the books that I read anyway, and I thought I was so prepared, Catherine, oh my goodness, I, I just thought mm -hmm. I was, I, I was ready for this and I got smacked so badly. Um, when, uh, when our son was born, um, just, it was very overwhelming for me. And, um, the, you know, I think if we're really honest, having a family is, you know, like in those early, early days is the most wonderful, but also the most horrific thing all at the same time. And it can go from being awesome and miraculous and amazing one second to being horrible the next. And um, I think it's just uh, really important to try to the very best extent that you can to, to really um, be in touch with your own well-being. Um, and so for me, the big challenge with that was the sleep deprivation. Um, I have always been someone who needs a lot of sleep. And so the lack of sleep with a newborn really um, wreaked havoc with me um, for many days. Um, but it does get better. The fog does lift and um, the sun does come out. Sometimes, you know, we just have to take little snippets of it to, to see it. But it's more helpful for me to look at uh, life in stages or in seasons. And um, whether we want to admit it or not, whether we like it or not, when we do decide to have a family, we do have to take a step back from our careers. Um, and what that looks like is going to be different for each, for each person. But the reality is you've got this little squirmy thing, this little bundle of joy that requires a hundred percent of your attention um, for, you know, most of the time when, when they're very mm -hmm. young. And so, you know, if, if, there's women out there that can, you know, pick up their phone and, and go back to work within, you know, minutes of delivering. That's awesome. Good, you know, great for you. Good for you. Um, but it is, it is a challenge and it's okay to let yourself um, work through that and try and figure out what it is that's going to work the best for you. Well, Esther, thank you so much for taking time today. Oh, you're so welcome. I really um, was um, very honored for you to ask me to do this. And um, I'm, it was fun. Thank you so much. So that's it for this week's conversation. 
I won't be airing a new episode next week, but check back on April 29th for episode 9. Thanks so much and see you soon.